Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hey guys, you're now listening to the Coaches Network podcast, a podcast aimed at anyone who's passionate about athlete, talent, and personal development. My name's Coach Yas, and I'm a UEFA A licensed football coach, coach developer, and content creator. I'll be sitting down with a range of guests to discuss their journeys, their life lessons, and how you can make an impact. Enjoy. Right, guys, welcome back to the Coaches Network. My name's Coach Yas, and I've got a very special guest with me this afternoon. My guest today is Stuart English. Afternoon, Stuart. How are you doing, man? Afternoon. Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Yourself? Yeah, very well, thanks. And I'm really looking forward to this conversation, to be honest. Um, Stuart, just before we get into the thick of it, maybe just give a brief insight around who you are and what you do, and we'll go from there. Okay. Um, Stuart English. I'm currently head of coaching at Sunderland Football Club and I'm a head, head of coaching, which I have been for the last 10, 10, 12 years. Awesome. Awesome. Short and sweet, just the way I like it. Stu, um, you know, this conversation could go a number of ways, but where, where I really want to start is, you know, how, how you got into coaching in particular. You know, for many of us, it's uh, been journeys from different pathways, often as players, failed players, shall we say. Um, what was that like for you? Yeah, pretty much that. Um, wanted to try and be a, a player when I, when, I, when I started out. Um, failed failed with that. Um, didn't, didn't, didn't make any grade. I, I was doing like a college college program with Stevenage. So I was playing, training, trying to get a professional contract and then obviously studying at the, at the same time. That was before they were in the league, so that was when it was a, a non-league team. That that didn't happen, and then quite a found my way off to university, really, which was not not something I was ever gonna think about because it wasn't something I was just about sport and about football, really. Um, but I, I went and did a course, sports management and football studies. So again, it was about football. So I was thinking oh, I would be able to get involved in football one way or another, and still probably had distant um, ambitions to to still try and be a football player at that time. And just started coaching. That was in High Wycombe. And I started doing some community coaching with Wycombe Wanderers in the community because they were looking for some coaches, just like an hour here, an hour there after school clubs, um, Saturday morning clubs, evening clubs, with obviously a, a massive, large variety of different kids, different backgrounds, different interests. And just started really enjoying it. Started really enjoying coaching and found some real, real passion for it, I suppose. Naturally, I was trying to still play a bit of semi-professional football at the time, and that wasn't really kicking on as, as I would have liked, and then ended up just coaching more and more. So I started coaching more and more, and then went off on all my various different routes to, to get to where I am now. Amazing, amazing. You talked there about, obviously, you know, 
failed player, moving into university, uh, eventually starting your coaching journey. What, what was it about, you know, what, why coaching? Where did coaching actually come into it? Because obviously, I think for a lot of us, ex-failed players, shall we say, um, we often, you know, just fall into coaching um, because we think it's like the next best thing. But actually, you know, as, as I'm sure you probably agree, coaching is not for everyone. And often a lot of the people that are involved in the coaching industry in particular are often in it because of the passion for the game. What, what, what yeah. was it for you? And, you know, have you ever kind of reflected back on that thought? Was coaching the route for you? Or was there some other sort of niche within the industry maybe that you could have maybe delved into a little bit more? I think it's an interesting question. I think you end up falling into coaching because there's previously or back when I was when I was at that age and just starting out, coaching was probably the only available thing in the sense that Wickham came around into our um, university lecture and just said, we're looking for coaches because part of the course was doing some coaching courses. So you're level one, level two. So they, they said, we're, we're looking for some part-time coaches. If you're interested, put your name on the list. At that time, they wouldn't have been looking for part-time analysis or sports scientists or anything like that because that really wasn't um, very deep at that time. There wasn't really, there wasn't m many jobs going in those types of roles. So coaching was the role. They needed coaching to cover their sessions that they, their various kids at different places had paid for. So naturally there was a, a want and a need there. So that just provoked some curiosity probably from me in the sense that I love football. So I, I had done my level one at that stage. Let's go and have a go at it and just, just really loved it, just really loved it, really enjoyed it. I think I'm a people person, so by being put in that environment and by being around those kids and it was football that was my passion and then it was about like making things fun for kids and seeing smiles on faces and I'm running around and, and having fun, just, just really connected with me and I really enjoyed it and I still unbelievably privileged to do the job I do now, um, but it's the same just with kids that are better and, and coaches and different staff that are, that, that are better or have got more experience. So, yeah, I think it was that just connection with it. And then it's just been a love and a passion ever since, really. No, it's quite really interesting. Obviously, you know, you talked there about really that, you know, the, the, the wider disciplines within the game, if you like, were probably not as established as they are now and certainly have, haven't have have progressed massively over the years as well. So I guess, you know, coming back to your own journey in terms of where you're at now, obviously you're very much in in a in a head of coaching or much more coach development aspect. So you know, talk us through how you've gone from you know this this coach, this coach you started out PPA after school clubs and all of that, and eventually transitioned to kind of a head of coaching one in the various clubs that you've worked for. Well, head of coaching wasn't even about when when I started coaching. So it was a case of coaching, um, as I say, all the various different types of sessions that you end up doing, coaching every night every morning, afternoon, everything, just getting as much coaching in, which I think has definitely stood me in good stead because I just had so many different experiences and I had to find solutions to so many different issues, whether it be the kid that loves it and the kid that hates it, um, or whether it be, as it got higher, really, really skilled kids that you've got to try and differentiate to create the best sessions for. So that went from kind of community to advanced performance type level to then centre of excellence to then academy level. Um, and even across across first team levels now and, and, and in the in the past. So um so I think definitely from from from, from that perspective it, it was just like a slow kind of transition and the more I got involved, the more I did, the better I got. And then naturally opportunities then come from that and you look to progress and do more and, and work with better players. 
so that was kind of quite natural and then the the evolution into a head of coaching role was was more through when the P came in to be honest with you so I was at Brentford at the time and I that was before P, and that was when there was only maybe three or four full-time members of staff in academies so there was the academy manager and then there'd be an 18s full-time 18s coach maybe a, a medical um full-time and a, an ops and that would mainly be about it um some recruitment came and some various other roles came afterwards but in terms of coaching there was only the 18s and first team staff and then, and then it was me and I was on like a a part funded role with the FA at the time so it was like technical skills coach I did a little bit in the community and then and then the majority in the academy that was how I was able to get the role and basically after a few years being being in that role at Brentford because I was the the only other full-time person that was in the building all the time naturally I created a, a decent relationship with the academy manager and then almost become his, his assistant to a degree because I was just always there um, and I was able to help and assist and challenge so I was I was going to become like an um, an assistant academy manager, but then that role almost wasn't a role in the new E Triple P. It was academy manager um, or head of coaching or head of performance or whatever it may be. So then it just said, well, you're running like our coaching program um, and you're doing our CPD and our development, and you so kind of rather than assistant academy manager, which we was going to give you, I was going to give you head of coaching. And that was when I, I was doing that on top of my other roles. So I was foundation phase lead, pre-academy, head of coaching, kind of unofficial assistant academy manager. So that was just that add-on really, which didn't really mean much at that time. But then naturally from then, the head of coaching roles evolved loads in the sense that it has to be a separate role now. And obviously there's the um, EHOC with the, the Premier League run, the elite head of coaching course, where they're trying to really understand the role and help people understand the role better so yeah I kind of fell into it and but but what it's what it does and some people hate the role and some people love the role and and I love it in the sense that I can spread my attention across and over the players but now also with the coaches and I can and as I said I'm a, I'm a people person and I want to see people progressing developing and I want to help support challenge them depending on what they they need at that time and by being a head of coach, and that allows me to do both. It allows me to work with the players and coach and, and train and do what I love, albeit less than if I was just with a specific age group. But it also allows me to, to work with these coaches um, of different experiences, ages, um, capabilities at different times, and try and make sure they can follow their, their route and their journey as well. And because it's quite a new role, it's not a fixed way of working. So there's no fixed way of how it's got to look, how each day's got to look, how each week. So the the variety in the roles is is incredible. And the way we're doing it here at Sunderland is, is across the whole club. So it's head of coaching for the whole club, um, first team all the way down to pre-academy. So again, it's a, an exciting opportunity to try and work with coaches in a first team arena, as well as working with shadow and development um, group coaches as well that are just starting out. So that's a long-winded way of answering the no, question. No, no. And there's, there's so much in there that I'm, you know, I'm just thinking about where to start with it. And I think, you know, the f first and foremost, I think it's just, um, you know, let's come back, let's come back to yourself before we talk more about the role itself. Um, I, 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 well, and obviously, you've, you, you know, you've kind of landed into that, into that space in, in particular. But before we even get to that, you know, 
did you find yourself at any point in your journey start to think about well I want to start specializing in a particular area of the game because I think this is this is a rule for me a big point for coaches to consider especially early on in their journeys is where do they see themselves what type of coach do they want to be and what, where do they want to maybe potentially specialize in so you know we hear we hear stories all the time about people having ambitions of working in the first team environment but actually the reality is that's not for everyone um, and obviously, as you as you go through your experiences, you know whether that be through the academies academy process, whether that be working through grassroots environments and uh, maybe colleges, university, wherever else that may be, um, you start to kind of naturally gravitate towards one area of the game, if you like, and not just in terms of your age group and the stage of the stage of development for the players, but also um, may, may, maybe in part intertwined with your your philosophy to an extent and where you want to kind of specialize your coaching craft around, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think in terms of the the, the fit for, you, you've got to have an idea of what you believe in, and, and naturally, I'd I'll have just created that over the over the years. When I started out, I wouldn't have had an, much of an idea other than players that I like and and teams that I like. And naturally, I'd have had some experiences from Wickham about coaching, and then I'd have had some experience from Luton, and then I'd have created some more experiences at Brentford. And as Brentford went on, then it went a bit deeper. Then, then some of my beliefs would have become a bit stronger. And naturally, when you're just starting out, you think you know it all, and you've got all the answers, and you've got the philosophy, like the wonderful philosophy that is better than everyone else's. Whereas now, however many years, like 22 or 23, 24 years coaching, um, you know that like there's way more questions than answers in terms of all that. So you have to have some some beliefs and some some things that you you value very very highly but then you've also got some real flexibility and I've been quite lucky in the sense that all the clubs I've worked at there's been a there's been a good fit especially the the latter clubs where my beliefs are probably a bit stronger that becomes a massive part of whether you do want to change roles or or move into different football move to different football clubs is around what they're going to what they're going to try and do and how they're going to try and work in in terms of specializing my academy manager at Brentford was brilliant for that. And the reason I left Luton to go to Brentford was I, at Luton, I'd become almost like a manager, like an ops manager that I was doing a bit of coaching, but I was running the performance centres and linking in with the, the sense of excellence. And I wanted to coach more because that's what I had passion for and I was still young. So I went to, to, to Brentford and I just coached all day, every day, every night, every weekend. It was It was ridiculous looking back. But it was brilliant in terms of experience and I had at that stage I could. So and what as he said to me early on, and my role then was pre-academy and foundation phase. And what he said early on is there's lots of people that wanna try and like take on the world and be this, that, and the other. If you enjoy this, then like be an expert in it. Try and be really, really good at this, try and be a specialist in this area. And that resonated with me and it was probably aligned to my beliefs anyway because I loved working with the little ones and I still absolutely love working with the little ones. So even when I was assistant academy manager, head of coaching at Brentford, I was still coaching and managing the foundation phase. Um, so in terms of years doing that, th that would have been my specialist area at that time. But naturally, there's loads of issues why people don't do that. And a lot of it is around like the... Um, hierarchy so I was foundation phase but I was still like the head of so that was something that was a bit different I was still paid well within that role compared to the other members of staff which again made that more viable 
Um, and they're things that ha hadn't, haven't always happened and don't always happen in places. And, and it's something that we worked at on, at Birmingham and we're working on at Sunderland to make sure that whoever, whatever age groups you're working at, there's an understanding that depending on your experiences, that's what you're, um, that's how you're rewarded, irrelevant of what age group it is, because they're all really, really important in different ways. So, yeah, in answer to the question, it was the younger ones, which was my, my real, um, that really kind of got me buzzing and, and, and infused, but naturally, before and during, I've had loads of different experiences at different ages, and I just love, love coaching, and I love working with the kids and the, and the, and the coaches so I, I enjoy it across the board really it all brings different challenges doesn't it 100 i think what, something really important what you said there is that even though you've kind of identified where you're you know where, where you kind of gravitate towards it and, and what gets you buzzing essentially is you, you still have had those you know those, those range of experiences that kind of allowed you to really you know sift out and decide on what that actually does look like on the back end of it anyway and i think that's such such an important thing to kind of consider as a coach because you know some of the considerations you've mentioned there around whether it's a full-time role or it's not a full-time role, the, the salary or the, or the, or the, you know, the package attached to it obviously has a massive impact in terms of where coaches potentially can and will settle down in their roles and really decide to whether, you know, really specialise and delve deeper into becoming an expert in a particular area of the game. And I, and I think it's such an important consideration for coaches to make. So I guess, you know, tr transitioning that forward into, into what is now, a, you know, a coach development role essentially, how how did you view that when you first kind of stepped into that role, and you know how is that how's that how's that perception of what the role is? And obviously every club is slightly different because you've got some clubs that do just have heads of coaching, some that are head of coach development and not really get involved mm -hmm. with the, in the, you know the, the philosophy and the playing curriculum and the training curriculum side of stuff. They're literally dedicated to supporting coaches, um, and then some on the other end that are you know in some ways still doing the coach development piece, but actually still heavily involved on the grass as well. So, you know, how, how has your perception of that role in, um, evolved from where you first started and what you saw your role to be and how, how it's maybe performed to where it is now and anything in between? Well, when I first started, it was an add-on. So it was, I could do it very little, to be honest, because I was always coaching. So it was very hard to get observations. It, the only way I would do it is through some CPD activities that I'd organise with the academy manager and we'd, we'd get some development and stretch that way. Um, so that at the beginning, that was how it was. Then at, at Birmingham, it was assistant academy manager, head of coaching. So it was purely around the coaching program, the coaches and the players. So that was a case of watching, observing, doing, and then a combination of, of all of them at different, at different times, which I think tick, tick, tick my boxes. The initial bit is that you miss working with a group because selfishly, I think we all love working with a group, seeing that group progress excel and just being able to focus on that 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 one group of players every day and and every week however the way i look at it now is that by being not with a group i can have left less biases um towards the players within the group and i can potentially affect way more in less in in the impact might be less in the sense that the amount of time you can spend is less because it's not really intense with that group all day every day or that coach all day every day but i can i can drop little bits of of insight little bits of 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 impact way more often to a greater range of players and staff and and that's what i quite quite enjoy about the role now in that 
it's it's vast. It's vast, and and obviously lots of different clubs have more more than two people, three people doing this this role now. And it is a it is a growing role, and it is something that people are starting to understand and starting. Some people starting to really enjoy, and some people are opting out and saying, "No, head of coaching is not really for me. I want to be a an age group coach," which is absolutely fine. So yeah, I I enjoy it now in the sense that the variety of going and working with a pre academy to going and um, and being around the first team coaches and, and players to being in the YDP, the kind of teenage brain and all that chaos to professional development phase where the kids are striving to get like over that final little hurdle. So the the variety is incredible, which which I find enjoyable, but also um, I can impact way more rather than if I'm just doing one group, in my opinion. Hundred percent. I totally resonate with that because even for myself, you know, more recently working in, in a few different coach development roles, and um, I often get asked, well, you know, why coach development? Why not coaching? You kind of specialise. And so, well, similar to what you've just said, there really, it's about having that impact. And I think you can have a compounding impact when you're working with the coaches that are then working with the players rather than just working with a dedicated dedicated group of players. Which is, you know, there's nothing wrong with that, of course. But I guess. You know, from from your perspective, what what would you say are the biggest learnings that you've had in, in in those kind of coach development roles in terms of what it takes to be effective in that? And you know, maybe give some insight around how it might look in terms of because you know you can't have a one size fits all approach. You've got your obviously your way of working. You've got your ideas and thoughts for how important it is to kind of be flexible and adaptable to the different coaches you are working with. Yeah, it's really, really important. And, and I've learned that naturally every year you, you learn and you reflect, sometimes consciously, sometimes unconsciously, in terms of how it's going and you get feedback from obviously all the various different coaches and people you come across. And I'm challenging our programme at Birmingham and then also here at Sunderland is about individuals. So it's about individuals within teams. And when I started out, trying to be a head of coaching, I was keeping everything for the coaches quite general and quite similar. So they all get X observation, they all get the same CPD, they all get this, they all get that, which I think was a good start. But again, it was too general. It wasn't it wasn't specific enough. And there needs to be some group stuff and there needs to be some common um, ways of working and, and processes, but there also needs to be, it needs to be specific about the individual. So, the, the, the challenge that I've got now um, after being here for two years is how do I make the coach development program, albeit I'm pretty much only just starting because we're only pretty much at the start point now from from the, the work we had to do to, to recover and get to get to where we are now, is how do I make the coach development support as personal as possible? Because if I make it personal, it's going to be way more impactful than if it's general. There's got to be certain general bits that could be around style of play. It could be around some of our common and key processes that we believe in. But in terms of the individuals, they all need different things at different times. So how is my approach to them? What do they want? Do they want me more on a match day? Do they want me more watching them? Do they want me more doing coaching with them? Do they want me more sitting down and watching their session back on a on a on a on a on a video? Yeah. Um, do they want more challenges? Do they want me to notice something and go and say it to them straight away or leave it till afterwards like what are their preferences and it sorry it's so much that you've covered there and I, I, I don't want it to kind of go unmissed um or rather missed it 
couple of things I want to kind of probe on straight away there is, A, have there been some consistent things? I know you said there's a general approach in, in, in maybe the, the initial framework of how you approach it, but has there been some consistent things that you found to be quite effective and quite impactful amongst amongst coaches? Obviously, there's anomalies to everything. Um, and secondly, how, how important is it at this stage then to identify and recognise for coaches as well as yourself as a coach developer um, that the environment you're going into is has got a philosophy in place, if you like, from a from a club perspective that really aligns with you because that, that can be quite quite a, a, a challenge sometimes yeah i think the difference for me is i work at the i work where i'm going into generally so it's not a case of maybe one of the faycds that have to go into multiple different clubs that work all in different ways and that that's got to be really got to be really challenging for me i work where i'm the head of coaching so i've got a good understanding and grip however when i walked in the door two years ago i didn't because um, I was brand new and, and everyone here had more experience of being here. So that's where it's just about being respectful. And it's not about coming in thinking you've got all the answers. It's being really patient and listening and, and watching and, and finding out and observing as much as you possibly can, asking questions to firstly try and ascertain what their objectives are, what they're going after, but also to try and understand where they're at in terms of their understanding and their beliefs and, and their biases or what their preferences to then be able to go okay well seeing all these things how do we try and join these up and 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 bring some alignment and some commonality to it all so yeah the biggest thing with everything is is human connection so if if i think i know it all if i'm being rude or disrespectful or i'm, I'm cutting you off or i'm over talking you or I think I've got all the answers, then the majority of people aren't really going to be that keen to have me around. Whereas if I can be, if I can try and be interested because I am about them as people and then slowly but surely try to challenge in the, in the right and appropriate ways. And then when you have got a relationship, then you find the best way that that person needs. And again, it's not always going to be exactly how they want it, because sometimes you might want to shock them or you might want to surprise them or you might want to challenge them a little bit further but it all comes from the initial connection in terms of them understanding what you're what you're about and buying into you a little bit as a person without knowing you that well and then seeing how you perform in a consistent manner over a period of time to then go oh, okay that's quite interesting what do you think and and, and slowly but surely then that, that evolves i think so just you know just to build on that then obviously you know what, what I'm really hearing you say there's a lot being curious in your nature but always be curious about what the individual wants for it, but also recognize that sometimes the individual might necessarily know what they need and their wants might not align with it but obviously you having an external perception might be just bringing a different course of action that they might have not been exposed to previously or maybe it might be something that they shared with you that made them uncomfortable in the past and just maybe at sometimes bringing it on them again just to see how they deal with it going forward would, would that be fair yeah, you, but I don't think you can, don't think you do that at the beginning. So I think you do that once the connection's built. So once the connection's built and there's a bit of, of mutual respect and they generally want to have you around or they want to ask you questions a little bit more, then I think you can play around with it much more in terms of the stretch, which ultimately you've got to keep giving people the, the, the stretch and the challenge to, to get them a little bit uncomfortable at different times. I think if you do that too early, then potentially you're 
putting people off. You're putting people off and creating a, a more negative situation than what you actually are going after. Yes, I, I mean, you know, I liken it to some of the some of the experience I've had within coach development, where I think early on is recognizing what's going well, making sure that they understand that you're not there to come in and you know come and just switch things up on them because that's not what it's all about. Because like you know, as you as you well know, and I'm sure you'll agree that there's a lot of great work going out there, but sometimes it's we we can get so bogged down with what we're already doing that we're not thinking beyond that. Yeah, and like everyone can put on sessions and, and put on good sessions, but like also everyone can question every session that goes on, no matter who puts it on, whether I'm putting it on, whether you're putting it on, or whether a level one coach is for the first time put, putting it on. Um, there'll be some positives and there'll be some bits that could be better. Everyone. So it's just being respectful of that and just trying to, yeah, trying to catch the things that you think are good. But it can't be like too... I think it's got to be really, really authentic. So it can't be like, oh, I'm going to catch two things that are really good at and then I'm going to try and hit them with two things that have got to be better. It's got to be really authentic. And, and for the first time or times, you might not hardly say anything. Um, it might just be all about like trying to understand what they were going after. And you might not offer any feedback, but they might ask for feedback. Like it's got to be different for every single person, but the connection definitely allows and, and your approach and your manner definitely allows for the deeper progression in from my experiences and, and in my opinion but just just talk to that a bit then you know, in terms of working with coaches across different areas of you know the academy if you like is is there certain different approaches that you take where when you're looking at coaches working in the younger age groups compared to maybe the ydp or the, or the pdp or is it you know, again like i said i know you said it's a personalized approach in terms of the interactions you have with each individual but do you have a almost certain wants and certain outcomes that you're going after in when you're looking at coaches across the different ages ages in the academy no no uh, the, i'm looking we're looking for the same things all the time uh, my approach would be my approach is going to be the same in the sense that no matter who it is i'm going to take my time to try and build a connection and relationship and then i'm going to add my support or challenge so that would be the same process and then what we're going after is going to be is going to be very very similar, um, but all about the individual as much as possible. But what we're the kind of coaching principles and what we're looking for from our coaches is the same. It's the same across the board, really. So what would your advice be to those coaches who are out there now? Then thinking, you know, this all sounds great having a head of coaching, but you know, I'm in an environment where I particularly where, where the resources aren't available to have one. Um, what would you know? What would be your advice to those coaches thinking about how, around how they can develop and how they can uh, how they can stretch and challenge themselves, or even with the support of others, um, and also recognizing that you know even in your role, you know, who, who supports you in terms of your development? Definitely, definitely. I think the the the, the ones that want to go and progress, you'll find a way. So you'll find a way to to, to progress, and some people that you'll reach out to won't want to help you which is fine like you, you got to take it on the chin and and move on but you've also got to have some resilience to then go and ask someone else so the majority of people that ask us to come in and, and, and uh, come in for some observations or come in for a chat like we'll always try and, and be open-minded to that and I'd like to think that anyone that asked at Birmingham or, or has asked that since I've been up here are generally welcomed as long as we can fit it in logistically and whatever else to, to come in but I, I think you can't 
you can't blame others. You've got to take control yourself. So what can you do? So if I'm on my own, what can I do? Um, it might be that I record the session on my on my iPhone um, so I can listen to my voice back and see what questions I asked or or see what kind of coaching interventions I used over the course of an hour session, perhaps. It might be that I get someone watching to film me on my iPhone, on my iPad. Um, it doesn't have to be iPhone, it could be any phone, obviously. Um, so they're things that everyone's got a phone generally. So that could be something that works. Um, then what do you do with that? Well, without any support or help from anyone else, I can watch it back. I can look at what I think was good, what wasn't good. What else can I do? I might be able to send this to someone. So I might I might know somebody who works at a club or who's got some good insights. They might be able to give me some ideas or tips. I might be able to go and watch some sessions at the local professional football club. I might be able to have a chat on the phone to someone who's in a good coaching job somewhere. I might be able to um, get the players to give me some feedback on what they liked or what they didn't like. So I think there's so many different ways you can do it yourself. I really do. Yeah, 100%. And I think what was really good about everything you said, there, these are all very practical things. And, I, and I'm so glad that you brought these ones up because I think often the conversations I have with a lot of coaches who are in situations where they don't necessarily have a direct point of contact who's responsible for that, you know, you know, like into a head of coaching, if you like, um, is you don't have the time. I don't, you know, I, I'm not able, well, no, actually, it's very practical things that you can do. You've just shared a few of them there. And I think it's just, I think the, the underlying message to kind of take away from that more than anything is if you want to get better at this thing that we call coaching, you're going to have to do, you're going to have to put the work in. You're going to have to put the effort in. You're going to have to go, you know, go that go that extra step further, whether that is getting someone to come and observe you, whether that is recording your session, actually taking the time to listen to it back and watch it back or whatever that might look like. I think it's taking those practical steps towards, you know, actually, right, what are the things that I want to develop on? How can I measure that? And, and and actually taking a step to go and do it, not just identifying it. Because I think often we get bogged down with this, you know, with this idea of reflection and actually how how deep is that reflection really going? Are we are we are we just reflecting and saying, yeah, that session went well and that was it? Are we just asking the players a couple of questions at the end and saying, now how did you find it? Or actually, what does that information tell you? Where where are you where are you then going to take that information and kind of use it to kind of build your craft further? So you know I think there's some really really positive things in there. But you know from your perspective now as a as a, as a head of coaching, you know who kind of keeps an eye on that and, and ensures that you're doing that to the best of your ability and, and you're being stretched and challenged. And what does that look like? In some ways, I've kind of gone back to that. I've kind of gone full circle because there isn't. A head of coaching for the head of coaching so there's not someone to support and to observe me per se now i'm lucky because um i completed the the ehoc so with that you get some mentors a couple of mentors that are connected to you um and you get some time with them to, to chat with with them or they come and can come and watch you so that is that is something that, that is on top but i have to i need to then create my own create my own development um and what does what does that look like well it can look like anything so for the last two years of my life having a, a little baby girl it was just trying to like survive in terms of keep my job do my job to my best of my abilities and, and and survive now i'm in a place where i'm going okay well let's get my eyes up what do i need to to get better at what do i need to be doing i need to be spending more time with the staff so right how can i get some feedback from the staff how can i make the program more specific for the staff um 
where do I need to go? Who's good at it? Who do I need to go and try and connect with? What club? Is it a different sport? Do I need to try and connect myself to a more formalised course, i.e. like a master's or uh, a mentoring another mentoring qualification or, or something like that? So that that's the kind of thought process I'm currently going through in terms of what is what's next for me? What do, what do I need? Um, and the biggest people that can help me are the people that I'm working with. So the coaches and the staff and gaining feedback and, and insights from them. And I don't need to get too much at the moment because I know I haven't been giving them enough because I've been we've been in a we've been trying to rec recover and move things forwards. But now I have got the time. We're fully staffed. So now how can I positively affect as many of these? For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. These coaches as often as possible. Get feedback from them. What do they need more of? What do they need less of? And how do we keep it, keep it moving forwards? In, in, in terms of, you know, come back to one of your previous points about we're getting feedback from players, what, what kind of questions are we asking players here? Because, you know, I think this is, a, a, again, a, a really interesting one because obviously co coaches are after feedback at times. Um, but sometimes, you know, the processes which they use to obtain that feedback can be, can be very leading um, mm -hmm. to kind of, you know, subconsciously, if you like, give themselves an ego boost to make sure they understand that, you know, they feel like they're doing the right things and um, they may be not as... Uh, open in terms of those conversations in terms of what can actually come out from that sorry i lost you there. yeah that's no, just just asking about you know what are, what are some of the processes that maybe coaches can utilize with players to obtain feedback without it kind of getting um you know becoming very leading to the point where actually they're just giving us the I think answers it's hard because generally the the kids want to tell you what you want to hear um so you've got to think about your, your your questions and you've got to leave your questions as open as possible i think yeah i think the the, the kids will, will tell you what you want to hear a lot of the time so it's how do you leave the questions as open as possible and find different ways to try and get feedback from them so it might be more like where you pull a couple of them over and have a chat with as opposed to the whole group or they chat in small groups or you speak to a couple of individuals as, you, as you're walking around this, the session and, and get some insights that way. Um, and then with me, with staff, it would be both. It would be some collective group stuff and it would be some individual stuff as well. Um, but it's trying to not lead them, like you say, with their quest, with your questions. It's trying to be quite open and encouraging what they're thinking and feeling as opposed to what they think's right because a lot of the time they just regurgitate the same things that the coach has been speaking about earlier on in the session can you give us any example of specific question that you might ask to obtain some of that information obviously you know the questions you ask typically will probably be um referring to specific aspects that you want to obtain feedback on but what could those questions look like um common one that I use at the beginning is like what's everyone thinking so at the beginning quite open quite like not too not too crazy just quite open and quite simple what's everyone thinking um how's it how's it going so really open and then I'll try and 
then I'll try and maybe zoom in on a on, on a certain bit. So it could be um, it could be a bit more specific. So uh, is everyone happy with the the practice? That could be more of a yes or no. Is there is there any areas that we that, that people would like to tweak or change or adapt? So you, again, you're trying to leave it more open. But again, it all depends what kids you're working with, how well you know them, and then how much they're going to give you. But in terms of the, the, the feedback, it would be the more you do it, the more comfortable they are doing it, and then the more accurate and honest they're going to be with it. If it's just every now and again, then it's going to be just every now and again the kind of feedback they give you. Whereas basic level, whereas if you're doing it a lot and you're doing it in different ways and you're really acting on the feedback they give you, then generally they're gonna they're gonna try and take it and they're gonna try and give sorry, so they're gonna try and give you more more often, I think. Just you know, just to build on that then, you know, you talk there about the consistency of the feedback. So really, we're talking about setting the environment, aren't we, to make sure that it's not just an ad hoc thing and it's something they're used to doing and recognising it's part of the environment. They are, their thoughts and opinions are valued and, and and wanted. So I guess, you know, if we come back to your own journey then, what are some of the conversations and the questions that you've asked or challenges that you've had put to you over time where you thought, actually, this is this is, this is is starting to stretch me, it's starting to challenge me around my own development, my perceptions and, and, and you know, how maybe honest and open I've been in my in my own journey if that makes sense. Sorry the signal's gone a bit a bit crazy I can't I couldn't really I could hear parts of that but not all of it. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Yeah no so just um, just to kind of build on what you just said there as well it was much more around you know what are some of the kind of have you have you ever been hit with any questions whether from players or even from other coaches that's made you kind of stop and think around how you're being perceived and and what some of the things that you've been, I guess, delivering on. Good question. I will have, but I can't think off the top of my head any any specific examples. But it's it's you giving them the environment to do it. So, like I said earlier, the more questions you're asking, the more often, as long as that's consistent and it's a regular occurrence then that's going to give them much more openness to challenge you and we've got to get away from this kind of coaches king like you can't say anything to the coach the coaches like rules what we want is everyone giving the what the, what they're feeling back in terms of mm, sessions not working like okay go on and how should we how should we adapt it how should we adjust it what are you thinking um and getting their insight and their and their their info to, to be able to adapt and adjust I don't I can't think of anything specifically off the top of my head that's really challenged me and knocked me down but it'll probably be the young ones where they're just like don't worry about what they say and just say something that's probably took my legs away but I can't think of a specific example. No worries no worries just just come back to your own journey and obviously you know a large part around it is you acting as you know whether they're considered to be formally or informally. And you mentioned the word earlier on mentors and you being given some mentors as part of your, you know, your, your EHOC course and things like that. What, you know, who, you know, over your journey, I think you mentioned the, the Academy Manager at Brentford before, um, he's kind of giving you some food for thought around being a specialist, being an expert in a particular area of the game, if that's where you find yourself enjoying it. Have you ever, have you had any other influences in that, in that shape or form where, 
they've you know they've they've given you a bit of advice or you've learned some real key lessons from them and you know if so what what were those i think a lot of people have, i've thought about this quite a lot um i think a lot of people have mentors that authentically are created by someone they look up to that, that kind of has taken them under their wing or, or challenged them and i've never really had that what i've had is really big influences everywhere i've gone so the early days, it was the basics of coaching and making it fun and making it challenging for this real mixed group of kids when you're doing the school clubs. Then when I went to um, when I went to Luton, the, the the guy that was in charge, Greg Broughton, who's now sporting director at Blackburn, he was really processed, really organised and joined everything up and was really relentless in his pursuit of like progressing and de- and recruiting players and developing players and pushing them. So I naturally I learned loads from from him. Then I went to Brentford and and Ozzy and uh, Sean O'Connor, who was the head of recruitment at the time. I learned loads from them in terms of their experiences in and around London, working at big clubs and kind of how ferocious it was really in, in that type of environment and what, what you needed to to survive and what we needed to, to to do to push and progress the players and naturally loads of other people along the way but in terms of big figures and then I go to to um, Birmingham and then you've got Christian there who's obviously the, the sporting director here at Sunderland so these are high achieving people that are always pushing the boundaries so again Christian was was super on it he was relentless in his in his pursuit to make it an individual program to make it about development to make it um, about individual players progressing and, and getting the best kind of child-friendly, kid-friendly um, program they possibly could, and various other coaches um, along the way as well. And then, and then naturally, I've, I've ended up here where, again, you're meeting loads of, of new and different coaches that you're, you're grasping and, and learning from. So, yeah, it's it's no it's been no one person. And then you've got, like, the mentors and then you've got the various different people that you come across on courses, so um, Damachichi was really good for me when when he was starting out at MK and then on to England. He gave me some great little insights. Paul Holder has always been someone who's massively challenged me, um, who works back at the FA now, but was at Brighton as head of coaching for a long time. But he was one of the ones that created the Advanced Youth Award and he's an absolute maverick. Um, he's always thinking differently about every problem and he's always asking you a million and one questions so he will knock you over with his questions because they're so left field you you, you never expect them to, to come so yeah it's just loads of different people really and how do you do you pull the different insights and how do you stay open-minded so it doesn't have to just be those experienced more senior people that it's everyone because the more and more I'm in it doesn't matter who who you are whether it's the coach just starting out or the most experienced person there's always something to take isn't it I think you're spot on and I think it's important to get around coaches um, of different levels, different experiences. And I think one of the things I always say is that I think it's great. It's great to be confident in yourself. Great to have the knowledge that, you know, have awareness of knowledge that you've picked up along the way. But I think it's also just as important to put yourself in environments where actually you feel sometimes out of your depth. Yeah. Because I, 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 you know, I think <clears throat> just as human beings in general, I think we... You know, we like we like we like to be comfortable, but you know, to really progress and be you know be successful in anything that we do, we need to have an element of uncertainty, and that can come from being in situations like I said where we feel out of debt. So I often say to coaches, you know, put yourself in environment, you know, in, in three types of environments. You want to be in a type of environment where um, the least amount of your time, if you like, is spent around coaches who are of 
I don't want to say less experienced, but less knowledgeable than yourself. You want to spend time in those, you need to spend time in those environments for certain, because you want to make sure that the information that you're, um, I guess, living off is substantial and is, 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 is concrete enough and you've got enough clarity on it where you can actually pass it on to others without questioning it to an extent. Um, you know, you want to be around people that, you know, are on a similar level to you in terms of experiences, um, albeit different experiences, but on a similar journey to you or similar stage of the journey that you're on so that you can kind of bounce off one another and, and there's that kind of that camaraderie kind of a, approach to it, if you like. But I think a lot of the time, for me anyway, I'm certainly there now where I'm, I'm trying to spend a lot more time with people and coaches and coach developers who are probably a few years ahead of where I'm at and probably more specifically not only are they a few years ahead of where I'm at but they're they're a lot closer if not already in the in types of roles that I want to see myself in in the future mm. and that's where I'll try and spend most of my time where I'm kind of really unpacking learning sometimes relearning some of the things I've picked up along the way just to really see right what what does it look like on that end of the spectrum and then how can I then transition that back and you know going back to that word that we used earlier about having that impact on this side of the spectrum how can I pass that information on and I think that's probably one of the biggest things I would say for coaches you know are, are, are you spending enough time in those range of environments or are you stuck in one environment where you're always seen as the go-to guy um which I think can be a very dangerous place to be in because I think you can get very easy you can get stuck in your ways you can you know you, you can kind of let time pass you by to an extent a little bit. I don't know what your thoughts are on that, whether you agree with that, whether there's any particular environments that you can kind of um, share with us that you've been in where actually that stretch and challenge was constant and, you know, exactly what that was like for you. Mm. Yeah, I think they've, they've all been like it in different ways because of where I was and the people that were there. So Luton was, Luton was great because there was a real mixture of, there's a lot of people joining when I joined, there was loads of new stuff that was start being, being started. So it was like learning with those people and then bumping into different people that were um, of similar experience and learning with them. But then there was the, the, the people with a bit more experience and different experiences. Brentford was just fierce in the sense that you, you're trying to set up an, an academy in London and evolve an academy in, in London, which had new money being invested into it. And it was like, come on, you've got, you got to create something big here. But starting with, with very little in terms of facilities, infrastructure, support, staff, everything. So that was just fierce because obviously naturally the competition that you've got around as well. Um, in Birmingham, it was it was interesting in the sense that it was a settled environment it would, a lot of the staff had been there for a, a good period of time so that was how do you like create more of the uncomfortable situations because they wouldn't have been there as often that they would have been at, at Brentford and um, Luton because it was a, a newer type environment so that was more like how do we set up these little situations how do we take ourselves to different sports or to different industries or get different people in to come and watch our sessions and challenge. So like Russell Earnshaw would come in, Rusty, and he would come in and cause a load of chaos um, on a day because that's what we needed to to create at that time because it was a it was a it was a safe, it was a good culture, a good environment and people knew the reason why these things were happening. Um, and then here we're like we're just we're just starting really. We're just starting to to, to get going and it's we're now at the stage where we now need to start looking at where do we get those little uncomfortable situations some of the guys are getting it because they're going on courses so they're getting a bit of stretch and development others will need to get it in different ways by going and, and visits or different people coming in so 
Yeah, I think it's uh, it's been a mixture throughout, but definitely for, for me, that's that's something that, that that I look to do, and 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 it can look a different way. So I went and did an event with Durham FA County FA last week, and that was me going out of my comfort zone because rather than driving to our academy that I know like the back of my hand now, I'm driving to a different venue with different kids, with loads of different people that that I don't know that may be positive or may not be positive. You don't know initially. You're hoping they're going to be positive and hopefully they enjoyed it. Um, you've got a third of an Astro. You don't know the players that you're trying to work on and you're going to try and do some individual coaching with them. So that was that was a version of me um, getting myself a little bit uncomfortable um, and getting in a different environment and, and, and finding it challenging, but in a really good way because I'm human. I, I think that's brilliant because... You know, I think it just goes to show that, you know, no matter what stage of your journey you're at, whether, you, whether you're kind of two years into it, whether you're 12 or maybe 20 years into it, 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 there's always scope for that, that opportunity to put yourself out of your comfort zone and essentially teach an old dog new tricks. Mm. Do, you, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I, think, I think we should never kind of underestimate it. But, you know, just on that, you know, you've had a range of different experiences, both as a coach, coach developer. You know, what would you say some of your biggest bugbears when it comes to coaching? Ooh. Um... Probably the similar stuff to, to what happened when I was growing up and starting out, like rushing from qualification to qualification without having an opportunity to practice it and consolidate and understand it and come with questions. People, people thinking that they've got all the answers and in reality, They've got some answers or they've got some ideas, but they need to keep checking them and, and challenging them and stay curious. And then just people making it about themselves rather than the kids. Like I always want the kids to be prioritised over everything. So if you're stopping it and you're coaching them and it's cold and it's wet and they need to be playing, they need to be running around, then that will be a bugbearer of mine. I, I want the kids to be getting as much practice as possible. I want the ball rolling to be really high because our job's to find ways to skillfully coach them rather than lots of stopping lots of us showing us showing we're the boss and we know the answers because a lot of the stuff they can find and and, and i don't mean that to say oh like we're not coaching we're just putting stuff on and letting them play there's loads of different ways you can coach and really affect individuals as well as groups but without constantly stopping everyone and talking too much I think that's often a challenge, isn't it? Because I think sometimes as coaches, we, we're so eager to give um, give guidance, support and information to the players that we don't often realise how much we can end up talking and rambling away. So I guess, you know, um, yeah, you mentioned there about, you know, some of the challenges that came with obviously running, you know, working at Brentford and the fact that, you know, new, new, new academy, new environment, but obviously amongst some probably real big guns in, in and around London. Um, Obviously, you mentioned the transition from Brentford to Luton, obviously to Birmingham, and now obviously at Sunderland. What, what would you say is maybe the biggest challenge of your journey so far? In terms of like which move, or um, I think just on a personal level, maybe not. It might not even be anything to do with the club specific. It might be it might be something that's in, that you've encountered within your own coaching journey, and it might not even be something that you've dealt with yet. It might be a challenge you're currently dealing with. In that, you know, actually, this is a real kind of stumbling point where, and now you're really having to kind of go out go out your comfort zone and you know feel a little bit out your depth in some ways to kind of get over it and you know what would you say that challenge is and if you have if it is something you overcome 
how how did you do that? And if it's something you're currently facing, what are your what are your plans to? I think the challenge is when you go into a new place. I think that's a challenge, and that's something that I would encourage everyone to to do at some stage. Now, mine's happened quite authentically in the sense that I've been at places like between four and six years generally, and then at some point during that period. A, a job or a role or a conversations happened where I've ended up deciding to take an opportunity, another opportunity, sometimes through interview process, sometimes through people like wanting me to want, want like almost picking me out to say they, they want me because they know me. Um, and, and I think that's really, really healthy. And I think that's something that people need to do. I think if you're at one place, it goes back to your point earlier around being comfortable and naturally wherever you are you become a little bit institutionalized to that place and you become comfortable and it doesn't mean to say you're not working hard and you're not thinking trying to think differently you're not trying to get different experiences but naturally that's what you're comfortable with that place now as soon as you go and get a job somewhere else all of a sudden you become uncomfortable because now you've got to build all those connections How's everyone judging you? What are they? What are they going to? And you have to have confidence in your own abilities, which I do. I have confidence I can go into any environment. And I don't mean that in an arrogant way, but I've got confidence. But at the same time, it's always un, you're always uncertain and uncomfortable because it's different. You're walking into a different door in a different building in a different place with um, different people. And we know everyone, all different, all people are different. And then you've got to show people how good you are without people thinking you know all the answers. So for me, that, that that's the most uncomfortable bit um, from, and, and and that's one of the benefits of of moving mm. and changing, mm. because you you have to find a way to to cope and deal with that and come across in the best possible way. I, I think the word that kind of jumps out at me as you're speaking there is humble. Yeah, you know I mean humble. Be you know have that humility where. It's like, no, I, I feel confident in my ability to do it, but I'm also not going in there thinking I'm going to run the show either. And, and just, again, another word that you used earlier is about being respectful. So, I mean, having, having that approach where you go in and they, you know, you've been brought in for a reason, you know, you know, you know that they've given you the role, they've given you the opportunity or whatever that might look like. Um, so have confidence in the fact that you've been brought in for the right reasons um, and, and that you are competent enough to do the job or, or whatnot or, if you're not quite there yet, there's, there's 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 at least confidence in that you can you can overcome the challenge that's been put in front of you in some ways. Yeah, I don't think it. it I don't think you've got to be going into it thinking you've nailed it and you know all the answers. I think you've you've always got to go into it thinking that like, this is going to be a challenge because I don't think anything. Even when people say that like, I can do this with my eyes closed, I don't believe that because coaching brings all different challenges and 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 there's so much there's so many layers you can go to it. I don't I don't buy into those kind of statements um so i think yeah i think you've got to be really respectful of the place you're going into you've got to be humble in the sense that you've got some confidence but at the same time you're going into a new and different environment you've got to figure out how they work and, and what their processes are and what their people are like and you've got to build connections and build relationships and and once you do that and people understand what you're about and hopefully you're a good fit because that's why you've been why you've been recruited or if you're not a perfect fit, you've got thing, you've got attributes that the, the club's after. So then you bring in those attributes, and then you're working out what bits you need to um, trim off, or, or to, to to make sure you are a good a good fit. Because you might not always be the perfect fit at, a, at any one time, depending on what role you're you're coming into and what your experiences are. But I do think there's a there's a skill in like 
with emotional intelligence to be able to adapt and adjust. And it's not, and I had this conversation with someone the other day, it's not about not being you. That's the important thing. You've always got to be you and you've always, and if it goes too far, that's not you, then that's where you've got to have a discussion and 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 and, and you can't continue maybe. But you have to have, there's got to be different versions of you that are always authentic, but different sides. Coaches and just, I think this is just a life thing generally. I think you want to get to a point where you understand your values, you understand your principles. And, you know, as, as long as the situations that you've been put in or the environments that you're going into don't force you to compromise those values and principles, which, you're, which you, you know, which you hold firmly true to yourself, then I think, I, th- I, think, I think you're okay. I think you're okay. I think you can be flexible and adaptable within that. And I think using your values and your principles and having a good understanding of what those are and using using them as almost as a framework to kind of fall back on, if you like. And I think as soon as it starts to com- you know conflict with that, then you're probably having to now question whether the environment you've stepped into or the opportunity you've stepped into is the right one for you. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that. But I think you just got to be careful around... It's got to be about your values and your principles as a person. Yeah. But I think around the the whatever you're coaching, so around football, what we're coaching, then you've got to be open minded to it. I don't think I think if you're coming in too strict in that this is the only way it could happen, depending on your role, um, then I think that's that's when you're 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 cutting off potential learning opportunities. Definitely around your individual personal values, then yeah, there's, there's got to be that's got to be quite fixed. I think just to build on that as well, you know, coming back to the humble pieces, recognizing as coaches, we're not all going to go fly straight and in, straight into the role that we want. And sometimes it's about proving proving yourself, biding your time, waiting for the right opportunity to come across. But and almost building those relationships to the point where you're kind of you're building some credit in the bank, if you like. But people can start yeah. to trust you. People start to recognise that this person can do the job. I can, you know, rely on this person. And I think some of those key things that probably, you know, you've had to do in some way, shape, or form across your journey to the point where actually people sometimes might be reaching out to you, um, unbeknownst to you, where, where where you've been considered for a position, a role, an opportunity, but you know, without you even being aware of it. Uh, and I, and I think that that you know that that speaks volumes in terms of the reputation that you've built for yourself and and the perception people have of you. So you know, uh, you know. Massive congratulations, well done on that, because that's not an easy thing to do, in, especially in an industry where, where, where it's full of so many opinions. I think, I, think that, I think that's an incredible thing to have done. So, you know, and, and I think that if there's anything that people do take away from the conversation is how are other people perceive in me? You know? I think, no, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that a lot. And it, mean, it means a lot to me. I think the, the thing for me from the off is I, I'm very privileged to have the job I ha- I've got and the jobs I've had. And my job is to help inspire as many other people as possible to show that it is possible because I wasn't given any of these opportunities other than through working hard and, and creating a, creating some skill sets and some attributes that allowed me to, to progress so slowly. Um, and my job is to try and help people progress as much as they possibly can and hopefully create positive relationships and inspire as many people as I possibly can. Um, and that's and that's the job. But let's just let's just build on that then. You know, I'm conscious of time as well. But if you now then you know talking about helping people, talking about building people up and, and seeing people progress, Stuart English, head of coaching now, Sunderland. Um, probably what 15, 20 years into your journey, maybe. Yeah, more so. I think I, don't, I need to I need to add it all up. But yeah, good good twenty plus years. Yeah. 
if you could go back and speak to yourself right at the start of your journey, what would be the, what would be the one bit of advice you'd want to give yourself, knowing everything you know now? Slow down. Slow down. Right, go on. Because it's interesting, you mentioned something else earlier about the qualifications in um, not jumping from one to the next. And it, it's often been a topic of debate for me because I think one thing's for certain, we all progress at different rates. Um, we all can consolidate and solidify and clarify information in different ways at different speeds and, and for different reasons, of course. But for me, I've always I've always been on the one, not not to say that I'm I'm jumping from one qualification to the next necessarily, but I'm always... I've always recognised that for myself, if I know what's coming next, I can better prepare for and start maybe start to do some of the background work and understanding what that looks like and start trying to implement it before I get to that point, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting, you said there, slow down. Would you mind expanding on that? Um, I think... I think at the beginning, um, to enable you to get the jobs or to be able to apply for the jobs, you need to have the qualifications. So I think at the beginning, it's almost like a bit of a, a race to get the qualifications. And you're getting the qualifications to get the qualification as opposed to to learn the qualification um, and to get as many insights from it as possible to put it into practice. So at the early stages, certainly um, level two, B license, um, and then even onto the A license, like, they're happening in quite a short space of time and I'm doing it from a CV perspective rather than from a that's what I need right now perspective, which you can only know when you look back. You can't know it at the moment because at the moment you're taking over the world and like you're going to be the best coach ever and all that kind of business. So, yeah, for me, it's just slowing down and, and actually. So, for example, some of our coaches now are going on qualifications and they're working full time in academies um or wherever they may be doing it every day and doing a course and the course is bringing them answers or questions or challenges uh, but i wasn't really there then i was i was chasing chasing through to, to get it get it ticked off and and, and it's the same with learning so I, I couldn't tell you an awful lot without being rude i couldn't tell you an awful lot about my um degree in terms of how that's helped me with my career but if i was to go and do something now which i'm thinking about trying to do something to deepen my knowledge in an area I can put it into practice straight away. I can think about it straight away. I can connect it with the experiences that I've got now, which then it allows it to become way more impactful. Is, is, isn't that more down to a maturity and an age thing? Because I think, um, you know, similar to you, I've, <laughs> if, if you ask me some of the stuff that I've, I've done in my, in, my, in my journey in terms of education and things like that, some of it, I'll be honest with you, I've gone through some certain things, but then I don't think it's really made a massive difference in, in, in some ways to where I'm currently at and where I'm potentially looking to go to next, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. But then I, th I think with, um, you know, with, with the younger generation of coaches in particular, and they are getting younger, um, it's almost this mindset of, uh, almost this, oh, one second, honey. <laughs> um, there's almost this mindset of, can we get through the qualifications so we can progress our journeys and you know and, and it's almost they don't really appreciate and understand that actually you don't have to jump on every single qualification it is about sometimes solidifying and clarifying what you've understood and consolidating that and putting it into practice but there's a bit of almost a scattergun approach of just trying to get any qualification to get your foot in the door in in some ways 
Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. And, and I, I was that person trying to get the qualifications, so I completely understand that. Um, but it's just, yeah, if looking back, if you could have spread it out a little bit and paused a little bit more, um, could you have understood and, and spent more time understanding it? But again, I'm now in a position where I can be a bit calmer with it, a bit more patient with it, a bit more, uh, go a bit deeper with it, I suppose. Um, whereas back then I couldn't and I, and I probably wouldn't have either. So I, I, there is there's ages and stages, I guess, as well, isn't there? 100%. So what's next? Head of coaching, uh, working right across the academy and obviously supporting and involvement in the first team environment as well. Where does Stuart English go next from here? Uh, I'm quite content to be honest with you. I'm, I'm quite content. This is um, this is this is the the best job for me at the moment in the sense that I can coach players, uh, I can work with coaches, and I'm not restricted to a specific area or group. And hopefully, my my majority of my work is around players and, and coaches, and it's not getting too far pulled in too many other directions. So, so I, I'm really happy with that. In terms of my at North Star, if you want to call it that, I just want to be impactful, and I just want to um, help young people get their foot on the on on the ladder and start progressing as a coach. Whether it be um, grassroots coaches understanding coaching a bit better and 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 being able to put some more impactful sessions that doesn't kind of restrict players, or whether it's um, part-time coaches that want to um, grassroots coaches that want to come into academies or whether it's academy coaches that want to be part-time to full-time or whether it's coaches that want to be first-in coaches or specialise in a certain area I just want to help those people achieve achieve their dreams and um, yeah just make sure I keep kind of testing and, and challenging myself in, in this role at the, at the moment is perfect for that Amazing, amazing Stu, I'm conscious of time um... I want to first of all say thank you very much for sharing you know your journey with us your insights and i'm sure there's gonna be plenty of people listening to this thinking about some different considerations for their own journey and hopefully one of them is slow down <laughs> hopefully one of them is to consolidate and implement what they already know really get deeper understanding of what it is that they're currently experiencing or got access to and i think that that piece is really key and i think one of the other key bits that came out was you know getting around people that are willing to help and it's not going to be everyone, but actually putting yourself out there and, and asking for the help is probably the biggest message from there. You know, asking for help. Don't be afraid to ask for them. If, some, if one person says no, it doesn't mean the next person is going to say no either. And I think, you know, one of the things that I kind of have um, picked up in my own journey just off the back of that one is it's not necessarily asking for help. It's more specifically how you ask for it. Mm. Don't be vague. Don't be generic. Be very specific about what help you want. And you, you probably find you're, you're a lot more um, successful in your approaches and your, and your outcomes in terms of getting that help. I think often at times, you know, I'm sure you've probably had it in your roles where coaches probably reach out and said, oh, I want to come and do some observations. It's almost like, yeah, you can come and do some observation. But then if there's another coach that tells you, I want to come and do some observation, there's very something, you know, something specific attached to it in terms of what they're trying to observe and why they're trying to observe it. Then you're probably more receptive and willing to help that person than the, the person who's just said, I just want to come and observe. I don't know what your thoughts are on that, whether there's no, any I, truth to that. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I agree with that. I think the biggest thing um, around this point is, like you can go where you want to go, you can achieve what, what you want to achieve, but you've got to work really hard at it. And if that is you recording your own voice and listening back, if it is you getting someone to to film you on a, on a camera, if it is you reaching out and doing some observations, they're all things that are in within your control. And some people are, are going to ignore your emails, and other people are going to be like, yeah, come on, come come along and uh, 
and get some observations and all of a sudden then it can it can really progress very quickly or it might take much longer but it's, it's within your control wherever you are wherever you're coaching whatever you want to achieve like it's 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 possible amazing now Stuart again thank you very much for your time I really appreciate it and I, um, hopefully it's been enjoyable for you as it has been for me definitely I always enjoy um, talking coaching so it's all good there you have it guys, another episode of the Coaches Network podcast, where our aim is to bring the world of athlete, talent and personal development together to just one platform. And you can help us with that mission right now by sharing this episode or any of your favourite episodes with everyone that you can think of. You can tag us in those mentions as well on Instagram at the Coaches Network or on Twitter at the Coaches Net. We look forward to hearing from you. Let us know what you thought about today's episode. And until next time, guys, take care. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.